Hey, Michelle. Hey, Mike. Welcome to 502 50% off. 50% off. We're here. It's free phone night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was. Okay, I didn't like in this one that we didn't start back with Gene. I'm going to start off and I'm going to gripe just a little bit because I absolutely love this show. But in my ideal world on this episode or, or in, in this series, we would get longer and longer Gene flash forwards until we were all the way caught up. Well, we will get more and more Gene, I'm sure. We didn't get Gene in every episode in other seasons. No, I know, but I mean, we're coming down to the wire, right? And I just really want more Gene. I want to know what. We can't leave this like this. Gene... We got 20 more episodes to get to the end of it. He's going to be know. in a lot of it. He's a sad sack. We might see all Gene up. at the end. We might see whole episodes of Gene. Yeah. But I, I do like how we're starting off each new episode so far right where we left off of the old episodes. And I really do like that. Michelle, we have some new superstars if we don't have any Gene. We have Sticky and Ron. Sticky? <laughs> I listened to the Insider podcast, and they wanted to call it Runny and Sticky. The two guys, okay. Runny. But the Runny was too gross, so they changed Runny to Ron. And they wanted a gross name for the other guy, so they call him Sticky. So it's, it's Ron, Ron is the former runny, and it's Sticky and Ron are the two guys. Well, I think they got Sticky from that song he was singing, that rap thing he was doing. Well, if you know more than the Insider Podcast, Michelle, then that's good. <laughs> I'm just saying, that's where that he was definitely saying words that rhymed with Sticky, so that would be my guess, although I couldn't, you know wrap it for you well the insider podcast also described that music that group chai is yeah. <laughs> four japanese girls and their music is all in square waveform so it's all so that choppy rappy type of music it's really discordant sounding until you watch it with the video and it kind of fits the way the guys either the video fits the sound or the sound fits the video one or the other Kind of like Tony Basil back in the day. But I think the, uh, no, nothing like Tony Basil at all, Michelle Zero. <laughs> but I think the uh, music that that group Chai was made, you know, they were in existence before this episode even got created. So they kind of matched the two. Well, that's really cool. It, it was perfect for what it was. But what did you think about this first scene? The guys going nuts, stealing hubcaps, snacks, purses, gnomes, generally acting nuts, all while gloating about 50% off. That's why I'm saying phones cause crime. It's not like the Jimmy found the people and, oh, here's a phone. That'll help a little bit. These phones are causing more activity. How? Because they're more coordinated. They can do more stuff. They can get more money by being more successful at crime than they buy more. We see these two knuckleheads like they get money, they buy drugs, the drugs make them do more crime, the crime gets them more money. They it's like step ladders up over and over and over and they're like pretty much master criminals by the end. They're doofuses, but they're they're way more efficient at the end and they're they're becoming right. more profitable as we see them. Well, they're they're headed, you know, on a fast track to prison probably, but but I just 
Okay. I think they were trying to show us that the 50% off, like Kim said, is going to encourage criminal activity. But I thought that was a little bit ridiculous. First of all, I didn't see them use the phones for anything. They just kept saying 50% off. You know, they woke up after they crashed into a mailbox and whatever. And, you know, hey, what what day is it? It's Tuesday. You know what that means? 50% off. And they take off again. Well, why, do, why does everyone in the world now have a cell phone, criminal or not? It just makes us more productive. It brings more information to our fingertips, whether it's a police scanner or a way to talk to your partner across the no, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. But these these burner phones that he gave them, I mean, could have given them the idea, I guess, of privacy in their criminal acts or whatever. But I just thought it was ridiculous to think that because he offered 50% off of his services that somebody's going to go out and act like that. I mean, Jimmy's right. People are not going to commit crimes because they get 50% off of lawyer services. Nobody is. You're not going to sit around and think, hmm, okay, I can rob that bank or whatever because I can get my lawyer for 50% off. And, I mean, Jimmy even says himself, he's like, you know, 50% off and then I upsell them or whatever. I mean, it's, it's just nonsense. Well, 50% off to me was only because he was so successful at the free phone giveaway that he ran out of phones. He had to give the people there something. Right. I don't think that was plan b of his master plan i think he kind of came up with that on the cuff like okay uh no remember he had talked about it with kim before and she talked him out of it it wasn't really on i mean i I understand that he did it on the cuff when he didn't have another idea when he ran out of the phones but i thought this was one of the silliest things that i've seen in this so far um you got to accept that jimmy's either a good marketing mastermind or he's not he doesn't come up with one great idea and one totally stupid idea. These are all pretty good ideas that are getting the criminal wave of customers to swash over him. Well, that's not really true, is it? Because, I mean, most marketing geniuses are genius, um, you know, one out of ten times. You're not a genius in everything. You know, you do really stupid stuff nine times, but the tenth time, you're a genius. Then you may have nine more screw-ups. Maybe, maybe not that quite that ratio, but I well, I would say more like seven out of ten. If no, it's exactly nine out of ten, Mike. Exactly. <laughs> nine. You're saying nine <laughs> failures. I'm saying seven successes. Out of oh, ten. okay. Yeah. That's different. <laughs> but I don't know. This. I felt like they were trying to tell us that Kim's right, and it was just an over-the-top, stickish scene. And it really didn't work for me. I did not think it was really good for this. And I know that a lot of people did, but it wasn't my favorite. But. Well, it wasn't your favorite because you don't like crime or because you don't think that Jimmy's. I thought it was just stupid. Nobody's going to go out and commit these crimes. Nobody's going to sit there because somebody gives you a business card and says 50% off and then go out and do these crimes. These, These guys don't have two nickels to rub together anyway. 50% 50% off of Jimmy's services means nothing to them. Yeah, but they're they're getting better at crime. They're they're getting more money and they're getting more resources. But not show. for Jimmy. They're getting more resources for, you know, they go back, they're the ones who go back to buy 10 bags. Yeah, but they're going to get into trouble and they're going to be, you know, richer 
in trouble than poor guys in trouble and they're going to be able to hire a better lawyer. <laughs> they're not. They're not. They're going to they're going to get, you know, public defenders because right. they're not going to have I a I don't want to argue left. anymore, but that's the whole point of this to me. Is Jimmy's doing it cuz he's bringing himself customers. Yeah, I think that's how they were kind of trying to make it look, that Kim was right, and this was going to encourage people to commit crime. But I just think that's – I just personally think it's silly. But but I forgave this because we go to commercial, and we come straight back to that grueling scene where Gus and um, goes to Nacho, and he's telling him, you know, to make nice – with Lala, that was awful. Where they take Nacho out of his bed. What yeah, did you think? Yeah, Victor and Tyrus take Gus or take Nacho to watch his father get surreptitiously threatened. His father doesn't even know he's being threatened, but Gus, but Nacho has to watch it from, like Jesse watched Andrea. Yeah, and they. I mean, he doesn't know anything. He thinks they're going in there to kill his dad. And they probably would have, depending on what Nacho said, how he responded to Gus in that moment. I don't think so. I think it was no. a total threat. They weren't going to kill it. Why would they kill his dad and then have Nacho angry at them? They want Nacho to get intel on Lalo, and this is like bending his thumb back till it hurts so bad that he's, I'll do whatever. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do it to get Lalo's info. They wouldn't have burned that card by killing his father. Not well. You're probably right, but definitely showing him that they had the power to do that, if he didn't do exactly what they said. Yeah, that's different. That's that's why they did it. It was a threat, not a well. But I I really feel for Nacho. I know he made this bed, and you know. So did the goose in the opening scene too. But they're not paying with their father's life being threatened. You know, I mean, Nacho, he's he's paying a pretty stiff price for his involvement that you don't see in a lot of the other guys. So, Nacho's very sympathetic. He's got a lot of fans, including me. I really like Nacho. I hope he... F- and we don't even know what happens to him. So we're very invested in Nacho because we kind of know... You know, we know what's going to happen to Gus. We know about Mike. We know about a few people. But Nacho is mysterious. We know about Jimmy even more than Nacho. Right. Okay, then we go to the scene where Jimmy slash Saul is ironing one of his wildly colorful shirts while Kim's trying to stuff stuff into his closet that's overly full. Um, Saul's on the phone. He's talking just nonstop, which we see pretty consistently with this episode. Um, and he's having like almost like the conversations that we saw him having in the big tent with the clients. And he's on one call after another. Um, he asks Kim about Bobby, the the guy that we talked about in the last episode, the one that stole the mini fridges and sold them to the undercover cop. And and she says that he decided to take the deal, but she doesn't tell him. What did you think about that? Mm, I think I, I like Kim, and I think she's right to not do undermined things to get clients to be persuaded to do things the way she wants them to, that she should just either persuade them or not. But 
the fact remains that she did cheat a little bit and persuade him to do what was right and best for him in the long well, run. Well, she lied. Yeah, she yeah. lied. She she kicked Jimmy out and made him go away, and then she went ahead and did what she told him not to do, and then she got mad at Jimmy for doing it. I, I agree with... She mad, but she stayed mad. She's still mad. Oh, yeah. She's she's a separation, a degree or whatever, a more farther away from Jimmy now than she was before all of this. Right. The Insider Podcast kind of inferred, if I read them correctly, if I remember correctly, because I listened in the middle of the night, um, that this cramped quarters that Kim and Jimmy were sharing was more intimate, that it actually was kind of bringing them closer. Like, it's kind of fun. Sometimes if you're moving from a big house to a little apartment for a while that you get kind of that it's kind of an adventure. Mm-hmm. And that registered with me because I'm in this crazy camper van thing that if somebody was with me that like, you'd have to either get along with them or totally hate their guts. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think Kim hates Jimmy's guts yet. I think I think it's kind of an adventure. I think they're kind of right. And since they're the writers, I think they're kind of know what they want us to think that this is she's. Kim's a little pissed off that Jimmy's suits take up so much space in her closet, but I think she kind of likes it, too. Well, yeah, and they've kind of shown us this, right? Because they've shown us many scenes with them brushing their teeth side by side and taking turns spitting into the sink and all that. So, yeah, they've they've kind of had to, they've been squished up close, and I think that's been okay for both of them. But then the other side of my coin of my argument to argue with myself is that Kim doesn't readily agree to their date night like she always has before. Like, hey, how about Ty in a movie? Oh, that sounds great. No matter what, she always kind of agrees to his ideas mm-hmm. for dinner. And this time she didn't. She doesn't, re- she doesn't throw it out, but she doesn't readily agree. She just kind of ho-hums it, which is different. It's a distinctive. Well, she's still mad. And she's still mad. She really hadn't had much conversation with him. But I think we've even seen her mad in previous episodes and earlier seasons where she still says, yeah, okay, Ty in a movie sounds good, even if she's mad. But now she's kind of like, "Mm, I don't know. She's kind of, it's different now. It's a little different. Well, until she goes to leave and she gets in her car and Jimmy goes out and he gets in the car with her and says he wants to show her something and they go to that house for sale. And he talks her into going in. She's like, we're not buying a house. But you can tell, I mean, I could tell she has like this, we're not buying a house. Kind of like, are we? Can we? Should we? Whatever. So they horse around in there for a little while. And then he confesses that he offered some client the 50% off, some clients, and that he was a bo- it was a bonehead move and he shouldn't have done it. And, of course, that's where we get the name of this episode. And she stands there for a minute, and then she says, okay. And it's like she appreciates the fact that he told her that without, like, her having to find out or whatever. And well, then she- to me, also to me, this reminded me of, this made me think that Kim kind of admires Jimmy's ambition, even if it's, like, a little misdirected. Like, he's getting, he's got 75 clients, you know, that are essentially criminals. He was, like, waiting in this criminal swamp to get money. Well, like, 45, literally, is what he said in there. Because she's like, how are you going to take care of that many? And he said, I have a system. 
Right, but so so she, I think she kind of admires his ambition. Like, wow, we could afford this. We're going to afford this house someday soon. Mm-hmm. It reminded me of the time when Walt and Skyler went to their... There was a flashback of them looking at their house. Mm-hmm. And he was like in his stupid leather coat, his stupid <laughs> 80s leather coat. And he's like, oh, maybe we need five bedrooms. We might have a big family. And she's like, wow, that here's Skyler who like, you know, you didn't you didn't put down the scotch tape you bought at Home Depot on the budget. Right. You know, she's right. worried about every penny and he's thinking we're going to be rich someday. I don't know. I think she admires this bravado that he has, even though this house doesn't really fit either of their <laughs> their taste I don't think this giant white house well no and he even kind of brings it up you know I mean it's it's not the kind of house there was no place for a big plasma TV that he's talking about the smell of popcorn in the air doesn't even sound right in this place but he's there and I think he's kind of winning her back you know and she tells him I'm not going to do this with my clients that's not the kind of lawyer I want to be and um He's like, absolutely never again. He's very agreeable with her. And he's the one always doing the pursuing. Always. And yeah, another thing they said on the Insider Podcast, not to just, just like not have a thought of my own and steal their ideas, but they um, say Jimmy's roses and chocolates to Kim is always real estate. Like this house, in the, earlier in the first season, he showed her some office. Like this could be Wexler, Wexler and McGill made like the thing on the wall. He kind of tempts her with real estate, and he's doing that with this white house. Well, this wins her over because she's won, won over and she's playful and everything with him. I mean, she turned on the shower when he was standing in the shower. So. Yeah, I think she admires his his ambition like i said without she kind of throws she kind of pulls the blind over the fact that the ambition is in the midst of this criminal horde that he's going to represent she covers that up for a second and just kind of likes the fact that he's ambitious so mike is blue quartz good for healing huh the countertops were blue blue quartz and <laughs> jimmy told her it's good for healing he's heard it's good for healing Oh, yeah, and she does kind of, she goes, oh, yeah, she kind of agrees with it for mm-hmm. a second. I never heard that. No, I hadn't either. But they leave in shame with the real estate agent giving them the look, and Kim says, maybe someday. But she definitely has a different attitude than she did when she went in. So, Michelle, there are some interesting, just to throw a kind of a curveball in here, okay. there are some interesting other podcasts out there that where they kind of pr- try to predict... Maybe it's bald move, but some other I can't remember. I've listened to a couple other. They kind of predict, try to predict what Kim, how Kim will cross paths with some people. Mm-hmm. And one prediction was that Kim will represent Jane, the girlfriend of Jesse, in some early drug problem that she has as okay. a public defender. Mm-hmm. Just some interesting stuff that you wouldn't have normally thought of that I thought was really sure. pretty interesting. Right, some way to connect her into, yeah. And so we might see Jane, you know, be needing a public defender, and it's Kim. I don't know. I just thought of that. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay, then we come back, and we come to the scene where Lalo is giving Don Hector booze in that retirement home or wherever he's in. He's talking to him about Gus. He's asking him questions, saying he's building a lab or a vault or something big. He's, like, kind of 
kind of like you'd talk to yourself, but Lalo does that a lot anyway. Yeah, but tunnel, a tunnel, a lab, a vault. Right. Why don't they put but Hector in a listening. nice house, in a better house than that nursing home? Maybe he still needs medical care at this point. I don't know, because I was wondering the same thing. Yeah, they're giving him but, purple medicine that's <laughs> Lalo spiking with tequila. Yeah, I know. But he's talking about how Gus is protected by Eladio because he brings in the money. And then this is when Hector starts dinging the bell as if to say, well, then fix that, stupid, kind of. Mm -hmm. You know, because if so, I think that's where we're going to go with that. Eladio is going to try or not Eladio. Lalo is going to try to affect Gus's earning ability. Because then he won't be favored by Eladio. Um, and got, uh, Hector's still sharp. He's sharp. And th what an actor. Can we just say that? I don't think he gets enough props for this role. He yeah. is great in that. Mark Margolis. Yup, he's good. Scarface. Both him and Don Eladio were in Scarface. Okay, then Mike's been drinking. You see the, what was it, Paps Blue Ribbon? He's asleep and he's phone starts blowing up and it's Stacy and she's been called into work and needs him to watch Kaylee. He's sitting on the bed with one sock on and one sock off. I don't know why I'm fixated on socks right now, but yeah. He's he does not want to go in uh right then because he's hung over it looks like, but he agrees to do it. He agrees readily to do it. And he shows up wanting to fix the ladder of the tree house, but Stacy says that Kaylee has to learn her times tables first. Okay, so then they're outside, they're working on the ladder, and he's quizzing her on her sevens times tables by talking about touchdowns being worth seven points, and he gets her all excited. So she's all happy, starts asking questions about her dad, and Mike absolutely loses it. He loses it on this little girl. Yeah, this, says, is, this is why your husband's question about what's my, who's Mike's boss, Gus or Saul, it's so important because this relates directly back to what Mike, did in relation to why he's mad at little Stacy. Well, yeah, because she's saying, she's talking about what did my daddy want to do when he was my age? And, um, you know, did he want to be a police officer then? And, but he grew up to be a police officer just like you, but the bad guys got him. And the bad guy and, was Mike. Mike told uh, Maddie to be a bad cop, and that's what brought on the suspicion of the other cops and got him killed. So essentially, Mike, Kaylee says the bad guys got him and says, essentially, Grandpa, you got your own son. Yeah. But he definitely hurts her feelings. And I was really surprised because we've seen Mike with her forever, right? All the way back to Breaking Bad. And I was really surprised to see that interaction with him and her. I think that... Surely they're telling us that is not just about her dad, that that's also about uh, Werner, right? Ziegler. Because he's mm, just went through all that. I don't know about that. I think Kaylee yeah. and Stacy are proxies for Matt to Mike. Maddie and Maddie being Mike's son is Maddie is the closest thing Mike had in the world, closer than Stacy and even closer than Kaylee. Kaylee's sure. progeny of, of Maddie, but Maddie was like so special to Mike, and Mike 
essentially gave him the advice that got him killed that anybody who opens that wound again is going to make Mike really furious and that's little Stacy at this point so I think they're proxies for for that Kaylee you mean yeah yeah Kaylee opens the wound again well, then Mike, we cut, Mike's powerless to that. Mike can't even, like, oh, this is my granddaughter. I gotta be careful, and I'm really angry right now, so I'll take it deep. You know, he, like, shouts at her and loses it. Well, and we did just say he was hungover, and he's definitely been stressed about everything. That's what I'm saying. I think maybe the the Ziegler thing put him kind of over the edge right there. But, but yeah, it was definitely the conversation about Maddie that... We've seen what Maddie's references have done in the therapy you know they <laughs> that anything about like she's like stacy forgetting i didn't even think about maddie all day and i've you know i'm kind of feeling yeah. better about that and Ma- mike just gets furious about that yeah she's getting better which he should that should make mike happy that she's kind of resolving it and he's angry his son's being forgotten well and i mean that's something he's not going to be able to get better over he's not going to be able to forget it but still i think there is some kind of i don't i don't know some kind of something that you do where you don't do that to a kid and particularly a kid that you love that is a piece of your son so that was that was rough i thought that was rough and it went on. We cut to Stacy coming home, and Mike is walking out before she even gets in the door, saying that Kaylee's in her room, won't come out, she didn't eat dinner, and he walks off. And Stacy's calling after him, and he won't even answer her. Yeah, we very rarely see Mike lose control of his senses, and he's, I mean, you got to stop and talk to Stacy for a second, say, hey, man, I got, a little, it went over a little over the top, and I shouldn't have and but no he storms off mad at even stacy for <laughs> interrupting his storming off it's it's not it's very unlike mike yeah it really is because that's the thing about mike is that he's so self-controlled okay then we go back to the goofs what did you say sticky and ron mm-hmm. um and they're back at the drug house and this time they want 10 10 they go to the downspout, and this time the drug gets stuck. Nothing comes out. They start banging, and and then um, is it Mouse? Is that the girl? Is that her name? The the big girl at the top of the drains pipe. Yeah, I don't know her name. Yeah, well, she you know pokes her head out. It's kind of a funny interaction, but um, you know she's telling the girl who drops, and she's telling him to stop that that the cookie went down the the drain pipe, whatever. So anyway, we cut to Lalo. He's playing cards with Nacho, and he calls um, and 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 he bluffs Crazy Eight. Now Nacho's talking to him, and he's being rude to Nacho. He's got no respect for him, and then he's mocking Crazy Eight for not playing the hand. And I know you had something about the Crazy Eight, didn't you? This is how Crazy Eight gets his name, Crazy Eight. Yeah. He folds Loco. three eights. Yeah. To... Ocho Loco or something. Yeah. Ocho, yeah. eight, loco, crazy. Mm-hmm. He folds three eights in in deference to Lalo. He's afraid of Lalo, so he folds the better hand to let Lalo win. Lalo pulls the ultimate poker poor etiquette of fo- of looking at the folded cards to see what he had, which happened earlier. And the and the, the hand that um, 
Lalo had was seven two two seven. Two and a seven are the worst two cards in poker, Michelle, because they don't. There's you can't make a straight. They're low cards. They're crappy cards. Okay. So Lalo had the very worst hand, a two and a seven, and Crazy Eight had great hand, three eights. He should have won, but he f was afraid of Lalo, so he folded to try not to win. And then Halal looked at his hand and made fun of him. So what this reference, and then so we we looked on Reddit. I showed you on Reddit a picture mm -hmm. of somebody who had shown um, Hank had a Hank had a set of kings, three kings, and folded to a two seven that either Walt or Walt Jr. had. I can't remember which, but Hank got bluffed with three of a kind to a two seven that I think maybe Hank that Walt Jr. had. So it's funny that they paralleled that with this. Well, paralleled it so much that um, Domingo, his name's Domingo, right? Got the name Crazy Eight from it. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, three eights. Mm-hmm. So Crazy Eight gets a phone call that some guys didn't get their stuff down the pipe, and Nacho tells him it's your thing, you go. So then we see Crazy Eight up on that ladder. That was pretty... Um, I don't know, rudimentary. I thought they would have had something different than that. Like, a, I don't know, what, a stick? Something, some kind of... What could you do rather than get out there with a screwdriver on the side of a building? Well, they wanted to shoot... I mean, the, the idiot Sticky and Ron wanted to shoot the drain pipe. Can we shoot oh, it out? Yeah. Can we shoot bullets through there to get it out? <laughs> or, yeah, or just take it down and freaking destroy the drain pipe. You can put a new one up for... $16. It doesn't cost anything. <laughs> but no, they got to figure out how to climb up a ladder and rattle it or whatever. Yeah, I mean, couldn't you, wouldn't you have like some kind of a, I don't know, like a duster or something you could push down that? They have extendable, I don't know. I don't know, I'm not if trying it, to. If it had $200 worth, if it had $70 worth of drugs, it would have been worth seven times the drain pipe. You tear the thing off the wall and you just take it apart, and, you know, you batter it until it comes out. It's not like it's like, it's not like it's valuable. And this is where the guy, Sticky, was doing his little rap song about Sticky and I don't know. Sticky so is literally dressed as a jester. He's got the striped <laughs> court jester shirt and even hat, I think. But he really does, when I first saw him in the upcoming, before the season came out, I thought it was Jesse. Yeah, he's he really Jesse-esque. Does does yeah. you know, Jesse didn't look much more sophisticated in his bright yellow Cap'n Cook license plate car. No. No, and he looks young like that, too. So the police come, and everyone else gets away, but Crazy Eight's on the ladder, so he doesn't. He tells the police he's trying to fix a, fix a blockage, and then he raps on the downspout, and the 10 packs of drugs come out. Yeah, Crazy 8 goes from a pretty tough-looking customer when he's in the basement with the thing around his neck, the bike lock around his neck, mm -hmm. to a pretty meek-looking little baby of baby criminal at this point early on. He's pretty, he's pretty meek in this uh, Lalo slash nacho gang that he's in yeah i mean i wonder if that's like the beginning of him or something you know well it is yeah yeah okay 
Then we go to a commercial and we come back. And this is where Lalo, Nacho, and Crazy Eight and the drug crew are in the car watching the, or the Crazy Eight drug crew are in the car watching the police preparing to go into that drug apartment. And they are talking about how much of the drug they have left in the building. And they, you know, it's like a whole load of the drug. So they're, I mean, they're just like completely stressed out about it. So Nacho doesn't say anything to anybody, hops out of the car. Lalo's saying you're crazy. And he MacGyver's his way in. He gets the drugs. He's hopping across buildings and, and like shimmying up, you know, up sides of walls and everything. Parkour. But he, yes, yes, he parkours and he brings it back to the car. And Lalo's chuckling him, calling him a fool, but he tells him that he's impressed, and then he calls him a badass. So, that yeah, was... Like, yeah, Nacho doesn't care at all about the drugs. He wants to win over Lalo's confidence, a la Gus threatening his father. He absolutely has to do that. If he doesn't do that, because I was thinking, you know, obviously he didn't do that because of the drugs or because of the allegiance to the drugs or to impress Lalo or whatever for, for impress sake. But Nacho, you know, he's thinking that he would rather die than not be able to do what Gus wants him to do. So if that were his choice to die or to keep his father safe, then he would rather die. And well, if he so, dies, his father is safe because Gus has no reason to harm his father. If Nacho, if Nacho got caught or fell off the building and broke his neck and died, he, Gus immediately loses all interest in his father. He doesn't care about his father. Right. So, yeah, it's a good bet. It's a good trade-off for Nacho, like you said. kind of terrifying at the same time. Okay, then we see Saul, and he's waiting outside a doorway for that DA to come out. And he's practicing what he's going to say to her. And this is where that uh, Bill, what was his name? The the guy who hit the the machine earlier to get his chips out. But he comes out, and he starts talking to him about, and Saul starts talking to him about a case. And he's just like, I mean, he is just swamped with this constant case and it reminded me of Breaking Bad and remember when they would go into the office when Walt and Jesse would go in there or Walt or whoever and it was always full it was just always full it was this constant just manic kind of um, business going on but then a client comes in he scrutinizes her chin piercing um, he's just back and forth. It's very chaotic. He's working case after case. And then Howard comes up, and he says the firm's doing better than ever. Then he asks Jimmy to lunch. What do you think that is? I think he's going to offer him a job. Me too. That's what I was thinking. Okay. So Saul says to have his people call his people. It's like, yeah, 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 Howard, whatever. So then Suzanne, the DA, comes out, and he's trying to get cases settled, and she accuses him of just wanting to make money with huge turnover, so she blows him off. She's like, we already have an appointment. Just, you know, I know what you're doing. So we go to commercial. We come back, and Lalo's cooking, and Nacho's in the restaurant talking to his guys, and he goes in the back and asks Lalo if he can tell the guys to move out because it's reportedly all clear now. The police have 
um, they're not on that side or whatever anymore. And Lalo says that it's Nacho's call. So it's the first time we've seen Lalo give any respect at all to Nacho. And then he brings him the food out that he's cooked. And he asks Nacho to sit and eat with him and have a beer. You know what, Michelle? One thing that the Salamancas, for all their drawbacks, is they are damn good cooks. Didn't that look good? It made me hungry watching Lalo making those tacos or whatever, burrito, whatever. And it made me hungry when Tuco was doing it, when they had Hector and he had Jesse and Walt in that cabin in the desert. He was making those. Yes. Frying that up. That was that looks so good. Oh, I know, I know. Yeah, yeah. Then and they're constantly showing them around food like that, and it's good looking food. But he brings up Crazy Eight. He said, "Has he done jail time? And how do you think he'll be able to handle it?" And Nacho's like, "Oh, he'll be fine." And then he's like, "You know, we're, we we go way back. Our families knew one another." And this whole time, Lalo's just looking at him. And so then Nacho offers to handle it if Lalo wants him to. And Lalo immediately smiles and says, nope, I've got, you know, something else for, for um, Crazy 8. But you can tell that he really likes that Nacho would be willing to do that. Yeah, and the last thing in the world Nacho wants to do is kill the poor, meek little Crazy 8 innocent baby criminal. Well, yeah. that, and then he grew up with them. They're family friends. That's how he said he knew him. Can you imagine? Okay, then we go back to the courthouse, and this is where Suzanne gets into the elevator, and Saul has paid the maintenance guy to stop it. We don't know this yet, but he has. And he gets in there, and the elevator stops, and so he's obnoxious going over his closing arguments until she can't stand it and decides to talk to him about his cases to shut him up. And they end up sitting down and they go over, you know, all but three of his cases. And then when he gets out, he pays the maintenance man. He pays walk- him and gets one of his relatives off. <laughs> yeah, his brother. What? He's, he's, his record's going to be as clean as a Doris Day song or something. It's pretty clean. He, wa- <laughs> he walks off down the hallway and he has that Saul look on his face, you know. And then we see him continuing the walk. He's outside on the sidewalk with an ice cream cone, and he's on the phone continuously, one phone call after another, and Nacho pulls up by him, asks him to get in. Saul doesn't want to, but he feels like he has no choice, and they drive off as we focus on the scoop of mint chocolate chip on the ground. And that ice cream cone angled on the ground, Michelle, exactly fits the crack in the gnome's head. Just like the plate that Crazy Eight had, he stole the piece, the sharp, jagged piece he was going to stab Walt with. Oh, wow, yeah. The ice cream cone is like a perfect triangle that fits in the gnome's cracked head. <laughs> Somebody did that on Reddit, too. They put the, they pasted it over. And that was the end. That's the end of episode two. All right, Michelle, so there's some spoilers. Okay. So if you want to stop and not hear this rest of this BS, you can stop, but... 503 is Innocence, the guy for this. I have no idea what that means. But there's some major spoilers in the rest of the episode titles. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, so like one coming up is Wexler v. Goodman. Hmm, okay. Um, That's the big one. That is a big one. That can't be like... Court, That's Wexler what you, v. Goodman. What do you think it is if it's not that? 
they're gonna just have a, them breaking up or being mad or something. I mean, them against no, one another. That's a legal. That's how you write a legal brief. You put the plaintiff versus the defendant. Come on, Michelle. They're lawyers. That's what it. Mm. You think they're gonna arm wrestle in the ladies' night Tuesday night beer fest? <laughs> I think it's a legal deal. Another one is called Dedicado a Max, and Max I think was Gus's boyfriend back in the Kill Him at the Pool. Oh, Shot at the pool. Okay. Namaste is one. JMM is one. So they none of them really tell as much as Wexler v. Goodman, I guess. But that one really stuck out to me. Stuck out to me. Interesting. Hi Michelle, this is this was a quick one, huh? This was only forty minutes versus an yeah, hour. Yeah, I wonder why. I know I thought that when I pulled up my notes, my notes were much smaller on this one than the other one. I'm not really sure why. But do you want to know the next ones for season three or episode three? Sure. What do you got? Okay. Saul is in the back of Nacho's car, so we know we're going to see that. Kim is in the car on the phone saying, call and make sure he's all right and ask how I can get in touch with him before his next hearing. No idea who she's talking to. We have to assume Jimmy, but, or about, but okay. And we see Mike in a bar and he's at, he's drinking, I think it's whiskey or something. He's asking for another. He's sitting at a bar. We see Saul like on this desert road and a car drives by leaving him in the dust Saul is saying, who exactly did I just set up? Kim is outside some kind of privacy fence thing. It's like something weird that's just freshly set up. It looks like a privacy fence trying to look in. Saul is saying, if there is going to be blowback, he doesn't want to be in the middle of it. Then we see someone putting a stick through that privacy fence that Kim was trying to see through or get through earlier, trying to throw the latch. And then some dudes are going after Mike, and he is beating one of them down. And then the last thing is Saul is pushing a legal pad with a handwritten list towards someone. Oh, yeah, there's a picture on Reddit of that legal pad. And it, I, think, I tried my best to get it to read it, but I couldn't. Yeah, I think it's the drops. It's the addresses of the drops of where the drugs are dropped. I think, if I remember correctly, what the um, Reddit person said, because it, it was even because they zoomed way in, and he, and he even said, "I can't really read line three, but it looks like an address." I mean, it's not super clear. No, no, I meant how would Saul have that information? Oh, I don't know. All right, Michelle, well, that's it. What do you think Nacho it. wants with him? With what? With Saul. Uh, I mean, they're obviously going to set somebody up. And if Nacho wants him, it's got to be Lalo, right? Well, Nacho wants to get out of this mess and with his father intact. I don't think Nacho is big on revenge yet. I think his stage one is to just escape Hatch. What's the way out? I don't know. Right. Maybe he's going to turn to Jimmy for legal. To how, how do I get somebody else in trouble so much that they don't focus on me anymore and they just got to be focused on getting out of trouble? I don't know. 
It's a good. People turn to Jimmy as a he's a problem solver. He, he's a problem. He is a, he's a problem he is. solver by creating other pe- problems for other people. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. And for himself. Well, that just goes along with his his job, his details of his job every day. I am so glad to have this back on. You know, I mean, I've really, really missed it. It's such great TV. I mean, it's really, really great. You and I were talking about earlier how a lot of people feel like it's better than Breaking Bad was. And I mean, Breaking Bad's iconic. And I always have to wait until something's over because the way something ends really does leave the taste with me, whether it was a great show or a good show or not such a good show. So I'm not going to say that yet, but I am going to say that these characters are so colorful. It's like you were talking about earlier. They each have such a unique um, like history and how it's all meshed together. It's just it's brilliant writing. Yeah, it's I think a little bit unfair to say it's better than Breaking Bad, even if it is better, because it's so rich with characters and the character stories are so rich. It's got a lot of characters that are born out of Breaking Bad, so it has that advantage that Breaking Bad, you know, was came out of the dust, came out of nowhere. Well, sure, so, they took everything good about Breaking Bad and then continued it with these characters. Yeah. Everything interesting, yeah. So, yeah, I, I think it's very rich. It's a very close call to say it's better than Breaking Bad, but I wouldn't hesitate. You know, I wouldn't... I wouldn't uh, discount it? I wouldn't discount anyone who had that thought. You know, I, I wonder myself if I think it's better, because it very well could be. Well, we're going to have to see how it ends, and then I'll, then I'll make a call, because that means everything to me. But anyway, I'm really glad it's back, and it's fun doing the podcast again. All right. Well, we'll see you at 503, Michelle, the guy for this. (laughs) We'll see you then, Mike. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.